0: Hello and welcome to 2.1 Seconds to Madness, your college basketball podcast. I am Russell Hainline, joined for the first time in, what has it been a year? I over think a year. It's been over a year, joined by, from the Firestarter crew, our good friend KBad. KB, how's it going?
1: Oh man, uh, it's good to be back. Um, just to let all listeners know, we took a break because apparently Russell went to Japan for like two years. <laughs> Um, if you follow him on IG, you would understand what I'm saying, so he's back, so we're rocking and rolling, so.
0: You know, I, I didn't want to do the thing where, like, uh, you know what like always pisses me off is when you see people on Instagram post, like, eight pictures in a day, or, right. like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, there's this one guy, I won't say his name, because he might listen to this, but Anytime I, I see him once on, on the scroll, I, I just click out of the app because I know there's nine other pictures there. Sure. You know what I mean? sure and so right. then when you go to Japan and there's a billion pictures, I, I told Emily, I was like, I'm going to space it out. You know, try and like, you know, just sprinkle them through. But then uh-huh. I did start getting comments after a while like, you're still <laughs> How in Japan? long are you
1: going to be in Japan? How long did you long move was to Japan? <laughs> Do you live there now?
0: <laughs> Konnichiwa. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. It it would have been nice if I knew anything other than Konnichiwa and arigato. Right. Yeah, that right. w- that would have helped me in Japan. Maybe I could have stayed longer. But uh, but yeah, uh, great to have you back. Uh, we've done I- I've done one or two sort of special episodes here, uh, and every time I post something, the people who had listened to us before are always really really happy to have anything. But they do always ask me when are we going to get KB back in. You know, talk to him some. So thrilled you're back. We obviously both had a very crazy and hairy year this past year, which is why we took the hiatus that we did. But uh, we wanted to talk about the NBA draft. I definitely wanted to hear what you had to say about some of these guys. Uh, and, yeah, just sort of sort through, see who our picks would be. And also, I just I haven't talked to my main man about college basketball much this Mark. year. So I'm uh, – I'm excited to do that as well, uh, sort of through this NBA mock draft process. So let's just jump right into it. Number one, New Orleans. Uh, I'm not going to do the cute thing that, like, most podcasts do where they're like, oh, who, who, boy, gee, who do we think will go <laughs> a little-known prospect, by the way? Like, that joke is played. We're not We're not going there. <laughs> number one, I assume that you will take Zion Williamson.
1: Zion Williamson's going to one.
0: Now we uh, we have barely talked about Zion. Uh, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, I think he's Blake Griffin, um, and if that's what he ends up being, then the Pelicans made out well. Uh, you know, I've said that comparison uh, about him to friends pretty much. I would say like from like the middle of the season up until now, and the beginning, people were kind of like they didn't really see it, but I the thing. As the season went on. Um, people kind of came around a little bit on it. Um, you know, freakishly athletic. Uh, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that is going to end up having a 15 year NBA career. Um, and while he may not always live up to the hype of being the number one pick and all the hype that's going to come with him going to New Orleans, um, I think he'll be a perennial NBA all star type. Maybe not a perennial all NBA player, but a perennial. NBA All-Star, which I think in this type of draft, I think, you know, again, I think New Orleans will make out well uh, with him being the number one pick. So uh, I, I like him. I'm not in love with him as a prospect. I like him a lot, though. And I, and I think that, you know, whether they trade Anthony Davis or not, I think he's the kind of guy that you can kind of build your franchise around for the next three or four years and kind of see what happens.
0: What do you think his floor would be, assuming that he doesn't reach, you know, sort of the the peak that people think he would get to what where do you think like a not a worst case scenario being like injury but worst case scenario of him sort of not living up to expectations where where do you think that falls
1: He's type of guy he getting you know floor he a 15 16.78 rebound type per game type of guy
0: yeah i t- i tend to i i feel like floor is something like maybe like a julius randall something yeah. like this
1: i can see that no mm.
0: Yeah, uh, he definitely sort of did a lot of the sort of bully ball in college that Julius Randle did, and it'll be interesting to sort of see him make that adjustment. Uh, Blake Griffin is definitely one that I've been hearing. Uh, I've sort of been going with a, like, if you gave Draymond Green elite athleticism, you know, just Mm. I I feel like the defense is what Zion brings uh, that maybe Blake has not really been known for that and sort of ratcheting up his relative value, because definitely on the offensive end, Blake Griffin uh, completely makes sense, and then on defense, you add somebody who can also potentially change the game on that side as well. I mean, obviously, putting up steal and block numbers this year that are unheard of, uh, you know, setting the PER record for college basketball history by a lot. Uh, Obviously, that's relative history. It doesn't go back to, like, Wilt or whatever, but still. uh, Elite passer, just like Blake for his size— uh, very coachable, humble, willing to work. Star power, which Blake also brings to the table. I just, I love that he's also a star who plays defense and who works hard on that end. Mm-hmm. And he's the first guy on the. There would be games where Duke is up by 20 points and he's diving on the ground for a loose ball, and you're just sitting there going, "Why are you doing that? Don't do that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just it in just, his makeup. Yeah, it's not in his makeup. And I and I never once thought for a second that he was going to sit out the rest of the season when he got hurt. Uh, it was it was pretty obvious just by the way he talks that he was going to come back, you know, regardless of, you know, anything else, regardless of money considerations and what have you. Um, I, I, I'm not really concerned about much of it. Maybe his shooting a little bit, his shot is kind of flat right now, uh, but he still shot 37% in ACC play from three. Um you know, I, I don't know that, like, I sort of want to compare his shooting to, like, where maybe LeBron's shooting was when he came into the league. You know what I mean? And, like, LeBron career stats is, like, 34-ish percent from three, probably 73, 74 percent from the free throw line. I feel like Zion could probably get there. And if he can get there, then obviously he's a multi-year all-star. So if you were going to answer the question, Zion Williamson is the best college basketball prospect since – What's your answer? Mm.
1: Maybe, what, Anthony Davis?
0: Maybe? Yeah. I I think easily since Anthony Davis. Yeah. Uh, just a very unique talent just like Anthony Davis. Uh, and, again, I actually wrote down here my thing. He, I imagine he would do Blake Griffin-esque numbers more or less right away, but with more steals and more blocks. Mm. So,
1: Sounds about right.
0: Yeah so good work new orleans i'd love to see anthony davis stick around for a year to play with him because i feel like their skill sets complement each other so well i he he probably won't do that obviously he he seems pretty hell-bent to get out of there but i'd love to see them on the court together even if for like a short period i just i feel like both of their both of their strengths complement the other so so well um Anyway, here's where things will start to get a little more interesting. Maybe depending on how you feel. Uh, number two, the Memphis Grizzlies. Who are you taking here?
1: John Morant. I I, I think this is a no-brainer. And yeah, two. so you, so you're you high. draft him. Yeah, you draft him. You trade Mike Conley. You got your point guard for the next ten years.
0: Who Who would you compare him to? Um, he
1: he kind of reminds me. Um. I don't know if that's a kind of like Shea Gilgis Alexander a little bit. Mm. Um, not the length, but just kind right. of way that he plays a little bit. Um, he has a real good feel for the game. He's a tremendous passer. So I think he could be a top flight defender if he wants to be. Um, I think the biggest question in that if he wants to be because you know. A little too often, I saw him kind of gamble a little bit too much, trying to be a little too lazy on defense. But I think he has the tools to be a really good defender, um, and he's really fun to watch um, as sure. well. Uh, so, like to me, there's a a line after Zion Williamson. There's another line after John Morant, in my opinion. Oh, okay. Sure. I know a lot of people have tried to say that this is a three player draft. I don't think so. I think it's really a two player draft. Um, although I do, do think Zion is kind of on a level of his own. I sure. think John Barantin is on a level of his own as well. So,
0: Do you have any concerns – so, like, I, I agree with you, and honestly, like, what I think about when I watch him, and this is obviously these, – these names are too high, but, like, I'm going to bring it back down right after I say them. It's like if you took Russell Westbrook's game and then you added Trey Young's passing on top of that, right? Like, and that's obviously what I just described is – a Hall of Famer, but we were watching him do these things against really shitty competition for the most part. Now he had a couple of incredible games against high-level opponents, but it's just such a small sample size. Uh, do you like? I I don't think that he's going to be like Cameron Payne or whatever that he's going to like bottom out. But I Antonio do Antonio Daniels. Yeah, I I worry that a lot of times when we see these mid-major point guards. Uh, it's the ones who can really, really shoot that turn into, the, like, the really good players, the, mm-hmm. the Steph Currys, the Damian Lillards, that the ones who aren't very good shooters, and I think a lot of people are also a little fooled by that performance in the, uh, was it the FSU game where he made, like, six threes in a row or mm-hmm. something like this? Yeah, I think, I, I've spoken to a couple people who are like, he can shoot, like, not really. He's not a very good shooter right now. Um, so I, I worry a little bit about that and I worry about the fact that he looked like an all-timer, but he was playing in, you know, just an indisputably really bad conference this year. And I still take him and and he's got all the tools to be a multi-year all-star and he's my number two as well. Um, but do, do you have concerns about when you watch these mid-major guys, do you ever feel like that level of competition is is a detriment or that there are certain skill sets that, that seem elevated or, or that maybe won't translate once they start running into NBA-caliber bodies and athletes?
1: I think you always take the level of competition into consideration, of course, but I also think you have to take, you know, whether or not the kid has a good work ethic and he has the intangibles, and from what I've read, he has those in spades. Sure. So. Sure, he may not be a knockdown shooter right now, but is he going to work at it? Is it something that, you know, it's always going to be one of those type of things that you kind of knew going into the process that he wasn't the hardest worker. Um, he wasn't the most coachable kid. You still drafted drafting him and then he didn't improve. Then you kind of kick yourself for drafting him. But, you know, if he has pretty much everything else you want in a franchise league guard, but his jumper may not be there, but does he work at it? Yes. Right. Okay. We're good.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and I also think that his floor is like is still somebody who's a really good playmaker for a team. I mean, maybe like what Alfred Payton was supposed to be would be his floor, you know what I mean? Okay. So still yeah. a guy who's still a starter in the NBA for multiple years, for many years. Yep. Um, I'd also like to see him get a little stronger. He's kind of a string bean right now, but as yeah. you said, like Gilgis Alexander and De'Aaron Fox and some of those other guys are also string beans and they're doing just fine. They don't shy away from contact. Uh, he hasn't really shied away from contact either. Again, that's maybe where a little mid-major concern comes in because it's different doing against the SEC versus what Morant's competition was. But, yeah, I, I agree that he's a safe number two pick. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, number three, the Knicks.
1: I'm going to go RJ Bird. Um, there seems to be a lot of smoke around that pick. Um, I know it may be hard to see how I could say someone who averaged 22-7-4, and was a first-team All-American as a freshman, didn't live up to expectations, but I think the fact that he's going third speaks right. to the fact that he didn't. Um, he was the he,
0: consensus number one coming into yeah, the year. People forget right. that, yeah. Right,
1: and, um, and I've seen people try to give him credit for you know playing up a level because he reclassed, but him and Zion are the same age. He like he was in the class he should have been in, um, so I don't give him extra credit for that. Um, he can score at all three levels and can be the playmaker, and the backcourt the Knicks desperately need, but he really confused me a lot this past season with his, like his decision making, um, and he looked like he didn't care on defense too much for my taste. So um, I think he's ultimately the second or third piece on a good team instead of being the franchise that he was coming into the season.
0: What do you think his like a uh, relative ceiling and floor would be?
1: I think his floor is, you know, maybe the first guy off the bench, somebody you bring off the bench to kind of run the second unit, provide some scoring on the second unit. I think that's his floor. And I think his ceiling is the second, third piece on a good team. I I, I don't see him being perennial, all NBA, perennial, all, you know, all-star, you know, top two or three at his position. I don't, I don't see that from him.
0: Yeah, I I would prefer better defensive consistency. He definitely, when he was locked in, he was a terrific defender, but he definitely on a floor with Zion and Trey Jones uh, definitely would come across as, as the weaker link. Cam Reddish, you know, he would come across as the weakest of those links. That's uh, a, still a bit of a freshman problem. I'll, I'll give him a bit of a pass on that. Most of the people we're going to talk about today are, are not very good defenders right now. Uh, I'd like for him to tighten his handle up. Obviously, his shooting needs to improve. Uh, and if it doesn't improve, then yeah, that obviously lowers his ceiling considerably. Uh, but I'm still really high on him. I do think, again, here's a guy who I think is a very hard worker. Very high motor, certainly on offense. Coachable. Uh, certainly never stops fighting obviously loves the lights you could maybe argue he loves them a little too much at times but I, I feel like I would rather take that guy than there are a couple of guys we'll talk about who you know are the, are the stark opposite of that and I feel like just the fact that he does love those things does raise his ceiling in my mind uh, was a really strong rebounder for his position was a really strong passer for his position uh, you know a lot of times this year people sort of got on him for having blinders on, and he would on occasion, but he also still had a top 10 in the ACC assist rate, top 250 in the country, ran the point when Trey Jones was hurt. Uh, You know, a a lot of, like, point-forward sizeage comes out in general nowadays, but I feel like this isn't an impossibility with R.J. Barrett. Uh, He's obviously not the guy you want to do it first and foremost necessarily, unless he tightens his handle up. I feel like his worst-case scenario is... I want to say something like a lefty Ricky Davis, maybe. Like somebody who's going to put up uh, like a good amount of shots when he's on the floor. You know what you're going to get from him. He's going to shoot a lot. He's going to look to score. He's going to have a nose for the basket. And whether that's a good thing for his team or not will sort of depend on some of the other stuff. Um, but I definitely feel like just as a volume scorer that he's a slam dunk in that regard. And whether he can take that volume scoring and turn it into all-star appearances will depend on how the shot comes along and yeah defensive consistency but i, I don't really see him busting too much because guys with that much dog in them don't really bust that much i feel mm-hmm. like uh somebody a unc fan told me maybe like that a, a reasonable sort of in between ceiling and floor is someone like a, a, a forward version of monte ellis You know, somebody who, again, could maybe get, like, 18 points per game, but not very efficiently, maybe never really get all-star. But, like, you know he's going to put up points. And, again, at at number three, especially with what comes next, I feel like that's a really good value. Uh, Number four, if if we're done with Barrett. Number four, the Lakers. Here's where stuff I feel like maybe starts getting interesting.
1: I'm going to go DeAndre Hunter. Um, I really like this kid. Um, I think he's going to be a top flight defender in the league, and he will be a lot better – offensively a lot sooner than people expect because I just like his makeup as a player. Um, he's going to work at it. And I think that ultimately this is one of the safest picks in the lottery. I think he has a high floor, but I also think he still does have a high ceiling.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think he's the safest pick uh, in the lottery, you know, outside of, you know, top two or three. Uh, I'm going to go a little more upside here, especially cause like, let's be honest, the Lakers almost certainly won't have this pick. They're probably going to trade it, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like the highest or one of the higher ceiling guys left would be Jarrett Culver uh, from Texas Tech. I was a big fan of him. Uh, I've been telling people it's like take Evan Turner and then add six inches to his wingspan and crank up his defense to somebody who has potential all-defense kind of makeup to his game. And that's who Jarrett Culver is. And, you know, he's he's terrific in the pick and roll. He rarely makes stupid mistakes. He's a lockdown defender. Not a very good shooter, but shoots well enough to keep defenses honest. Very hard worker. Made a huge jump from last year to this year. Uh, was asked to do everything for Texas Tech this year and, and did it all really, really well. Uh, I'd obviously like him to work on his jumper a little bit more. Uh, he's also maybe not, like, the greatest Athlete, But, again, a lot of the guys I feel like in the mid-to-late lottery this year are not terrific athletes. I mean, DeAndre Hunter is another guy who is a good athlete without good, being – Good, but not great. Yeah, and I feel like Ooh. Culver falls into there. But, yeah, I mean, Culver's just another guy with a good rep for working hard, being coachable – uh, again, floor is maybe like an Evan Turnery thing, but I, mm. I feel like people have talked a lot with the NBA Finals being how they are about who the next Kawhi Leonard type could be, like somebody who doesn't really shoot well in college, but then if he started shooting 40% from three, could be a franchise type of guy. And I feel like Culver potentially is that guy. Do I think he'll get there? Probably not. The Kawhis are are very rare in this world, but. If you look for people with that sort of upside, I feel like Culver is one of those types of guys. Texas Tech this year, by the way. Uh, again, we haven't talked much about college. I'm. Uh, how much Texas Tech did you get to see this year?
1: I, I saw a fair amount.
0: Yeah, Chris Beard, man. Hmm. We we had talked about him some the year before. I, I don't yeah. know that we anticipated him. Nah. <laughs> getting this nah. quick, this fast, but uh. Nah. Yeah, I told, uh, I told my Duke buddies beforehand they were talking about which outside of Duke guys should be considered as uh, a K replacement. And I put Chris Beard at the top of the list preseason, and they laughed at me. And they all sent me a text during the tournament to tell me <laughs> that I was right and they were wrong. So that always feels nice.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, number five, the Cavaliers, who basically need everything. Everything. Yeah. Uh, who are we going to take here?
1: I'm gonna go Jerry Culver, Um, another guy I like, but but don't necessarily love. Um, has a lot of arc in his jumper, but too much of a wind up in his motion, and I don't know if he has the ability to consistently create his own shot at the NBA level. Um, I like him though because he'll be willingly, he'll willingly do the other stuff if he's not producing on offense. Um, so I think he'll be one of the one of those guys that's a better pro than the box score suggests sometimes. Mm. Um, yeah, I can see so, that. So yeah, so. um yeah, I, I think it's a pretty safe pick. Again, not maybe the upside that you want, but a safe pick for Cleveland. Like you said, they need everything. So,
0: Do you feel like his defensive upside is as high as I feel like it is?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. And he, he, Again, he's one of those guys, and, and this is actually something you're going to see a lot throughout the lottery, that there's a lot of guys that you really want to root for because they work hard and they seem like they're really, really just good guys. And he fits that mold. Um, somebody like you said, very coachable um, you know, it still has a lot of upside. there's upside there, um whether you can tap into it is a, you know that's a completely different type of type of deal, but um you right. won't regret drafting them. I'll just leave it at that,
0: yeah, for sure i'm I'm gonna gamble a little more for the Cavs uh here. I'm gonna go cam reddish here uh exclusively because of upside. You know, uh, I, I think that, you know, it's it's easy to fall in love with what he has. Again, he was a guy who a lot of people thought would be a top three pick. Indisputably had a disappointing season. Uh, maybe you could argue, outside of maybe like Nazir Little, uh, he had the most disappointing season of anybody who was considered like a top mm-hmm. five-ish pick. Um, but, you know, the Cavs need a home run. I, I don't think they're going to settle for a single or a double. They'd rather strike out <laughs> and right. go for somebody like Cam Reddish. Uh, Great physical profile, I think he's quicker and more athletic than he looks. Uh, When he's on, he's absolutely deadly. Uh, I mean, there were videos of, I think, uh, Precious Achua and some other people who were asked, who's the hardest person you had to defend in high school, And, and they were like, oh, Cam Reddish, easily. Right? And I think there's a big reason why he was so heralded. I think he does really well in ISO, off the dribble, he's a terrific shooter. He's a sneakily good defender. Again, I think Trey and Zion got most of the credit. But for most of the season, Cam Reddish was leading the team in steals. Uh, Just really good anticipation there. Great timing. Uses his length well. Uh, But the issues, obviously, are he's heralded as a three-point shooter, and he was not a very good three-point shooter this year. He's Mm -hmm. really terrible on the dribble drive. His question-making on the dribble drive is questionable, if I'm being polite. Uh, On offense... I don't want to say he's, he, he has bad motor because he was always a consistent defender, even in the games when he was really bad, which is why he would stay on the floor as much as he did. Uh, but on offense, he definitely was very content to disappear, which is scary when you're picking someone top five, obviously. But, uh, again, I feel like you've got to go home run swing. And, you know, John Bayline being the new coach of Cleveland, being a brilliant uh, player developer – I think I would really trust, uh, if I'm Cleveland, taking someone who is a very high-ceiling prospect, knowing that your coach has a reputation for player development. Uh, But he's definitely somebody whose ceiling is high, but whose floor is obviously lower than a few of the people we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number six, Phoenix.
1: Uh, Darius Garland. I saw him a lot in high school, Um, and it's easy to see why teams are enamored with him uh, this early in the draft. I think he's a prototypical floor general. He can work magic with the ball in his hands and get you a bucket uh, when you need it. Definitely going to need to cut down on the turnovers and get stronger, but his pick makes all the sense in the world uh, with Devin Booker in the same backcourt. So um, I think you take Garland, you put him with Devin Booker, and, um, yeah, you you can start to see this thing kind of come together in Phoenix.
0: So you probably saw him more uh, before the season than I did. I only got to see him yes. once or twice when he was uh, at Vanderbilt. Is he somebody that you think can be a, like, seven to eight assist-a-game guy, or is he more like one of those, like, four to five assist-a-game guys? More
1: four to five, but I think he can be one of six. I think for him it's just a matter of just opening your eyes a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, like, getting to the NBA level now, like, there's guys that throw it, like to pass the ball to You you don't have to take, you know, 20 shots a game. You don't have to do (laughs) that anymore. So just open your eyes. Guys open. Pass the ball to Devin Booker. You know, get the ball down low. Things will work out. I think he can be. Right now, no, but I think he can be. He has the ability to do it.
0: Yeah, he's my number six as well. Uh, I I wrote down that his ceiling is something like Diet Coke Kyrie Irving, you know, something like that. Yeah. In the sense that he's, you know, maybe a a competitor for the best three-point shooter in the class. Might be the quickest end-to-end, or at least competitive with Morant in that regard. Uh, you could probably easily say he's got the best handles in the class, I feel like he would does. be a, sa- a safe thing he to does. say. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the better point guards in the league also went into the NBA with troublesome assist-to-turnover ratios. So like you said, even though he's got uh, ball-handling problems uh, in, t- in terms of uh, control from time to time, uh, decision-making from time to time, I think for a lot of players like this who would sort of fall under what people would say combo guard uh, in the what type of point guard he is, uh, I, I think his worst-case scenario is something like a Diet Coke CJ McCollum, like somebody who maybe never really becomes a point guard but who can definitely go off-scoring any given night, who brings obvious value to the floor. And then best-case scenario... You've got a star guy. Like again, I wrote, I wrote down maybe someone like Jeff Teague with a better jump shot or something like you know what I mean. Like okay. I was trying to okay. like I was trying to feel my way through without using names like Damian Lillard or Kyrie Irving. That's obviously where Phoenix would like for him to end up. Um, but even if you're a, a, like a tier below that, that's still somebody who's a starter who can go off any night. Who is of great value to your team with Devin Booker? Do they want to keep Devin Booker running the point there? That was my only question. Really,
1: yeah, I don't know that you want him doing it full time. Uh, I think you take Garland, give him the ball in his hands. They can play off each other. Yeah, because honestly, like Garland can play off the ball too. So it's not like you can, you know, you put one at one position. It's like you only do this, you only do that. I think they can right. play well together. So are we worried about his health? Yeah, I think you always do, um,
0: especially when but, it's kind of smaller and quicker. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that's definitely a consideration, but
0: yeah, I don't know, man.
1: At, right here, you start looking at the alternatives
0: for sure. I mean, you definitely take him here. I just mean in terms of his upside and where he can go. I, I, I worry that he could be the type of player who. You know, we've seen a lot of smaller point guards that if they get hurt a couple times early in their career, then, like, that's that. I, You know, he can still stick around because he's such a deadly shooter. I feel like guys who can shoot the three the way he does will always have a place in the league as long as they want to play. Uh, but then it would just obviously lower what he can do considerably. But, yeah, I, I agree that you absolutely take him here. And, again, if he had played a full season, I think it'd be pretty easy to argue that you should take him even higher. Um but yeah, I, I like him at six here. I also yeah. do you do you find that point guards are the hardest? <laughs> I find that I'm wrong about point guards more than any other position. Like,
1: because because yeah I'll, yeah I'll, because a lot of times with bigs like it's the things that they do. In college, a lot of those easily translate to the next level. Like, if you block right. shots and rebound in college, like, you're going to be able to do it at yeah. the full level.
0: And if you've got arms that your standing reach is nine feet and you've right. got a decent motor, then, yeah, right. you're fine.
1: You're fine. You, yeah. You'll figure it out. Um, point guard, man, it's it's a crap shoot. Yeah. It is. I,
0: I used to bet so hard on players that I thought were really good in college and then they would, they would absolutely shit out in the NBA. And then – Recently, you know, you had like Jalen Brunson recently, who I thought would be like sort of backup material at best, but like mm-hmm. he's obviously better than that. And, you know, so now I now I just second guess myself constantly when it comes to point guards. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, yeah. I don't want you. Number seven, the Bulls. I've had a lot of Bulls fans ask me uh, what's going to happen here and who they should be looking for here. Who would you take if you're the Bulls here?
1: I'm going Kobe White. Um, I think it's a perfect spot for him and that there will be minutes available immediately. And I think he fits alongside Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and company and that they want to get out and push the pace. And that's what he wants to do. Now, that could be to his detriment because it seems like he only plays at one speed. But I think he's the type of player that, with NBA coaching, he'll learn to kind of play at different speeds. And a lot of deficiencies that he has offensively, he'll iron those out because, again, he's like a lot of these guys, good makeup, hard worker, Um, So I don't have any issues about him kind of filling in the gaps in his game, but also just think from a style perspective, like how they want to play, I think he fits perfectly what they want to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, one could also argue that Zach Levine for a long time could also only go at one speed, really. Yeah, sure, Um, sure. Yeah, really good ball handler, genius in transition, uh, really good shooter for the most part. I'm not, like, in love with his release point, but it nah, goes in. not at all. Uh, you know, and as long as it keeps going in, I mean I, – and, and he was also a good free-throw shooter. It's not like a Lonzo Ball thing or something. Right. You know, uh, he's not a great athlete, but he's strong. So I feel like on defense, even though he was not a very good defender this year, he at least seems like a guy with his size and strength that could at least get in the way. Uh, I think he also has questionable decision-making like Darius Garland. Uh, you know, like <laughs> – I, I was telling people the end of the first Duke game when Kobe White just started jacking up shots and UNC was down a tiny amount and they give the ball to Kobe White. I just turned to my friends. I was like, "We won this game," like because mm-hmm. because he's either going to jack up a shot from 29 feet or he's going to try and do too much because he can definitely be pressed to do things. Which again, I don't think is a bad thing overall. And he and he was a freshman uh, and and a freshman that was not expected to be a one and done. So. I'm not really going to hold that against him, and any freshman willing to take those shots, again, I feel like is a commodity. I, I I guess I sort of wonder maybe how much he was just sort of playing out of his mind in that UNC system because, again, he was not expected to be a one-and-done. Is that something that is a problem with the ranking beforehand, or was he just sort of out of his mind and, and has maximized sort of his stock at the perfect time? Uh, I feel like maybe his ceiling is something like Diet Coke Gilbert Arenas. Hmm. Like, again, lots of shooting, could be a very good passer, Uh, crafty, uh, aggressive, Um, maybe never the most efficient guy, but when he's hot, an absolute terror. I think on Mm -hmm. the right team, he'd be outstanding. Uh, The floor is maybe, I don't know, like, I, I could see him settling in as, like, a as like a bargain basement Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams, like, somebody off the bench hmm. who's a spark plug. Again, in a worst-case scenario, not that Jamal or Lou Williams, both of whom are very good. I mean, like, the, right. the bad versions of them, right? right. Hmm. Um, I, I'm not convinced he's ever going to be, like, even a decent NBA defender. I think he'll be fine, okay at best. But, again, you're not drafting him here. To defend. You're drafting him to score. Chicago desperately needs shooting. It desperately needs people who can do things with the ball. And, yeah, I think that he'll be fine alongside Levine. He'd be fine if they pursued a point guard in free agency and brought him in off the bench in relief of either of those people. Uh, And as long as he's making his shots, again, none of the rest of the stuff matters. Uh, Yeah, I did not think coming into this season that Kobe White would be the guy I would uh, draft first off of – UNC. Yep. Number eight, the Hawks. Who are we going to put with Trey Young here?
1: Well, I'm going to go Jackson Hayes. Um, he's raw, but has the athleticism and instincts to at least be a factor on the defensive end while his offense catches up. Um, I think you put him in a front coat with John Collins, and you have the makings of something. And I think he'll be a good uh, fit with Trey Young and pick and rolls and things of that nature. So,
0: how How long do you think it will take Jackson Hayes to be ready to give – serious minutes in the NBA
1: give him about two years
0: yeah that's probably fair yeah I'm I'm lower on him than you because uh, because although the talent is obvious I also have you know obvious questions uh which again sort of come with these developmental guys but yeah uh I'm also Atlanta's not going anywhere in the next year or two they could probably pick somebody like that and wait um I went with DeAndre Hunter here uh I I Probably would take him higher, honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that like Chicago has Otto Porter and you know, like I, I would definitely kick the tires on drafting him for Phoenix. Um maybe even as high. Yeah, I mean if if he went to LA, that would be pretty impressive. But I mean I've thought he was a top five ish talent guy all year. Uh, just because he's so perfect for the NBA right now. Uh great three point shooter, superb defender, best in the draft. Uh, again, huge uh, potential all-defense guy. Uh, I don't think he's a very good creator with the ball in his hands, but he he doesn't really need to be, honestly, I don't think, uh, at this juncture. If he develops it, great. And even if he doesn't develop it, he's shooting threes and providing potential all-defense type of defense. I mean, uh, I, I sort of went with that like almost like you would want to use him maybe in a way that like San Antonio used to use Bruce Bowen where you don't like need him to be creating a lot of points. His ceiling would score more points than Bruce Bowen, obviously, but he's on the floor because of his intangibles, because his incredible tough defense. And because if you kick him a three point shot, he's going to make it. And I just, I, I think that's so valuable today that if he went higher than this, I wouldn't be surprised. And if he went lower than this, then somebody's getting a huge steal. Uh, because, as you said, he's probably got the highest floor of of, lotto picks outside of the first couple of guys.
1: And I'll say this. I'm not saying he's Kawhi Leonard, but a lot of the things that people said about Kawhi Leonard coming out of college, they're saying about DeAndre. You know?
0: Sure. I, th- I think that... Um, My concerns with him being the Kawhi Leonard type, well, first of all, his shooting is already Kawhi Leonard good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, his shooting is already incredible. I worry about his ability to create right now. I feel like that's obviously something that would take some time. And obviously, with both Culver and Hunter, who I think are both of the guys that you that would lump in as, could this guy be a Kawhi Leonard type? I think neither of them is as athletic as uh, Leonard, obviously, but... Yeah, another guy who's a very hard worker and again made a huge improvement from last year to this year, much like Jared Culver. Uh much like again Kawhi Leonard has sort of improved year in and year out. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm not really gonna overthink his shuttle run time. You know, right, <laughs> he's, right. he's a great shooter, great defender, great IQ player. Uh, number nine, your Washington Wizards, KB. Yeah, your beloved man. Washington Wizards.
1: Yeah, and I don't know anything about this guy, um, but there's a lot of smoke around this pick. Sekou Dumbuye. <laughs>
0: yeah? I Getting Dabouye?
1: Right. Yeah, Dumbuye. I don't know if the B is silent, so yeah, Dembouye. I It might be Dabouye. Oh, I don't know.
0: Oh, I don't know. I did not look up the I pronunciation before this, sadly. Yeah. Normally, yeah. I try to so that then I can have you pronounce it and then right. Right, well, I can compare the guess sure. to reality, but uh, no, we'll both guess this time. Yeah. Uh, is that um, is that just because of the smoke around him?
1: Yeah, it's a smoke around him. Uh, For those that don't know, apparently the Wizards are going to swing for the fences and try to uh, lure Masai Ujiri from the Raptors after the finals um, with possible ownership, not just in the Wizards, but Monumental Sports, which is the parent company of the franchise. So the rumor is Mm. they're going to offer him this ownership stake so he doesn't have to be the day-to-day general manager of the Wizards. So we don't have like a Magic Johnson type of situation where they expect him to right. do something and he doesn't do it. It's like, no, no, no. You can oversee everything that happens. Tommy Shepard, who's not an interim GM, will be the full-time GM. You'll get to kind of overlook everything.
0: And how, do, and how do you feel about that?
1: <sighs> I, man, look. Just hire somebody. Like At this point, I really don't care who it is. Um, I think it's unprofessional this close to the draft to still not have a general ma- <laughs> like a full-time general manager in place. Sure, and like, people are like what the hell is going on? Like, are they really going to have an interim GM going into the draft? Right. Because what if this Mujayyid thing doesn't work? Like, it sounds yeah, then good. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know, and people have, people have had all kinds of theories like as to why he would do it. Like, basketball with borders, he's boys with President Obama, blah, 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 blah.
0: And it all sounds good. (laughs) I like the Obama friendship angle. I like that. Dude,
1: you would not believe some of the shit that I've heard. Locally, oh. from people as to why he will take this.
0: I miss DC Sports Talk, man. Yeah,
1: man. Like it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm tired already. Like I'm already getting a headache thinking about it.
0: Um. <laughs> hey, if so, they can pull it off, Maasai is phenomenal. Oh, obviously. phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. So I, I guess I get it. And I mean, I guess worst case scenario, much, much like the Masai Kawhi Leonard move. If, if it doesn't work out, then like you're just where you are right now, anyway. Anyway. So, yeah. yeah, I guess I get that. Yeah. yeah. So, so Seku is uh, just, a, he's a, again, an upside Ujuri, future guy.
1: Yeah, he's a Ujuri type of pick. Mm, sure. So there it is. I know nothing about him as a player. Like, I've yeah, seen yeah, some yeah. highlights, but you can't, of course, base anything off of highlights. No, no, no. So, but, again, there's a lot of smoke around this pick. This is the person that he likes, he would want. So there you go. Uh,
0: if you had to pick somebody who you'd seen –
1: Oh, I would draft either Cam Reddish, Brandon Clark, or Kevin Porter Jr.
0: Interesting. Those okay. would be the guys that I those would have. And,
1: may, and maybe Romeo Lang I like Romeo Langford too. We'll, I mean, we'll get to all these guys, yeah, yeah, but we'll one get of those. I, I like Kevin Porter Jr. Like, he, he kind of reminds me of Kevin, uh, Kelly Oubre a little bit. Um, it's not just the lefty thing, but just kind of how they approach the game just um, their skill sets, and we kind of missed him um, the latter part of last year after we traded him, so I wouldn't be
0: mad at that. Yeah, we'll talk – We'll talk. Uh, that's when I'll bring in my L.A. sports talk in a minute uh, when we All talk right. about Kevin Porter. Uh, I'm going to go Rui Hachimura here. Uh, I'm a pretty big believer in him. Uh, again, another hard worker guy, uh, great body, great strength, great arms, uh, really good athleticism for the size. I think the ceiling is there. Uh, I've got, you know, some concerns. I mean, right now most of his offense is sort of post-up oriented. Uh, His mid-ranger is okay. He certainly projects to be able to stretch the outside. He just doesn't really have it right now. Um, I feel like I have some concerns on defense as well. Again, the tools are there, but uh, he definitely struggled on defense against the better teams. Like the Duke comeback against Gonzaga that ultimately failed. They just would switch everybody so that, RJ Barrett or Zion was against Rui Hachimura, and then they would drive and they would score every possession for, like, eight possessions in a row or something. So, you know, he's another one of these guys that has, like, potential stuff. Um, But right today he'd be sort of a net negative defender in the NBA, which I don't really love. Uh, I I still think uh, someone in the 6-9 to range is still where I'd take him, again, because I'm pretty high on him overall. Uh, I think his ceiling is... You know, maybe like a worse Paul Millsap kind of guy. Uh, I I think that he needs to sort of embrace that shot, uh, embrace the defense angle. Uh, because if he doesn't do those two things, then he'll be like just a guy. But uh, again, the ceiling is pretty good, and I feel like Washington could always use another sort of big body guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get we'll get to your Rui Hachimura thoughts. I was interested that he was not in your list of like five names. So we'll we'll see where he ends mm-hmm. up. Uh, Number 10, Atlanta. Uh, Back to Atlanta. Uh, Who do we have here?
1: Uh, Cam Reddish. Um, I think he could be still at this point in the draft and a good spot for him, again, with minutes available. um, Has all the tools, looks the part. I think it's just a matter of just putting everything together at the NBA level. Um, At this point in the draft, I think this is one of those picks I think is a no-brainer for Atlanta um, because this could be a lottery ticket. Like This could be a guy that ends up being an all-star level player if he puts all those things together. So... Again, considering the alternatives, I think this is a pretty safe pick for them. So
0: I, I would love to see him go this low. Uh, I think it would be great for expectations. Uh, I think the higher he goes, the more people want him to do things immediately. I feel like that tends mm-hmm. to be the sort of rule of thumb. Sure. Uh, and so yeah, if he slipped, uh, and especially if he ended up in Atlanta, a, a place where I think I think that franchise has a really bright future with like Trey Young and John Collins there and they seem to be doing really well with their player development. Uh, so, yeah, I'd love to see him there, obviously. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Uh, I'm going to take Brandon Clark here. Uh, you mentioned him earlier. I think, you know, he's he's Jordan Bell 2.0, uh, super bouncy leaper, huge on the glass, elite shot blocker, very versatile defender, great finisher, high energy, high motor. Uh, he's not huge, and he doesn't have, like, a huge wingspan, but he's got, like, elite timing. He's got huge athleticism. Uh you know, people talk about Zion breaking the PER college record, but Brandon Clark also broke this year the previous record for PER in college basketball. So, like, he had a, a tremendous season. Uh, he can't shoot really; he's not an offensive threat away from the rim right now. Uh, he shoots sixty-nine percent from the free throw line. Uh, that's honestly better than or close to a lot of the guys that are sort of in this range right now. Like, a lot of them are doing in that like sixty-eight to seventy-two percent range. So. You know, uh, and again, he's not a guy you you play for his diverse offensive skill set. You play him to ramp up the defense. You ramp up the energy and improve your team. And if he develops an outside shot, then he's a guy that potentially has all-star potential. I mean, I'd say the same thing for Jordan Bell. If Jordan Bell could shoot 38% Mm -hmm. from three, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, just a great team player. Uh, Number 11, Minnesota. Who's going to go play with Towns and Wiggins?
1: I'll go Rui Hachimura here. Uh, Versatile, athletic, hard worker. Um, how is, you know, I was kind of surprised he was only six, eight, um, kind of a tweener and defensively, um, how he's going to fare at the NBA level. Like, will he be able to keep up with threes? Can he, you know, kind of bang with fours at the NBA level? And will he ever be able to consistently stretch a defense? I'm not sure about those things. So, um, all in all high floor, but I think he has a low ceiling again, solid sure. pick considering alternatives. alternatives.
0: So. Yeah. I, I'd like his ability to bang inside. But the switch with everybody like switching everything nowadays, I think that ability to like even try to guard threes or keep threes mm. honest, I think is so important. And yeah, yep. he definitely doesn't have that right now. Uh, I'm gonna go with Seku here. Uh, you know, again, I also don't know much about him. I know he's big and athletic and strong. Uh, and you know, we've talked about before on previous NBA draft things that. You look for guys who are, like, strong and big, you know, not like string bean guys, because those guys, you tend to get reports that they're soft, and those tend to be the guys who struggle. Uh, That's not really the case with this guy. He seems like he's super raw from what I read, but, you know, again, he's probably at this point, I would venture to say, the last guy left in the draft with, like, obvious star potential. Uh, you know that doesn't come with some big time red flags with it, uh and you know maybe they can use him to convince someone to take the Andrew Wiggins contract off their hands. who knows mm-hmm. you know, get rid of him, <laughs> yeah, they need to <laughs> they yeah, boy, what a disappointment he's turned out to be, man,
1: not to me, me and Bogie talk about it all the time he ain't good, but yeah. Yeah, Nobody but we
0: but we we still. I mean, I had him number one on our on on our mock draft, and I think you had him number two on our mock draft. Yeah. I mean, he again. was still like he's not even good for that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, and you th- really, what I'm disappointed with is the defense. Like, there's no reason for him to be a bad defender. None. None whatsoever. He just doesn't love the game. Don't give a it fault. doesn't look like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, number twelve, Charlotte. Who is Michael going to take here?
1: i am I going to see a little? Um, has athleticism to and is a gritty player? Um, I think the question is, can he comfortably play in the perimeter? Because he didn't really show that consistently his freshman season at UNC. But um, from some of the things I've seen tweets that, you know, he's shown well in pre-draft workouts. Like, he's shown the ability to play a little bit on the perimeter. Um, so, again, it's one of those, like, looking at the alternatives. Like, right, right. You know he could end up being a very solid starter at the NBA level. And at this point in the draft, I think that's good enough in him at number 12.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're starting to get to the point where you're either picking the guy who could bust, but who has high potential, or you pick the guy who seems like a pretty safe role player. Like, right. that's what you're getting, you know, in, in any of these picks here. I'm, I'm going to do the former here for Charlotte. I'm going to go Romeo Langford here. Um... I I said that his ceiling is a Coke Zero, Demar Derozan. Uh, You know, he's big, quick. He's not shy. Uh, He's he's an okay defender. His physical profile definitely fits for the two guard in today's NBA, but very turnover prone. He's not a good shooter today. Uh, I, I know there have been reports that you know he's been he was banged up all year and he had a thumb issue, and that's why his shooting wasn't very good. Uh, you know, and, and I guess it passes the eye test well enough, but this isn't even like a Cam Reddish thing where it passed the eye test and was disappointing, where Cam Reddish was like 33% from three and 77% from free throw. Langford did 27% from three and 72% from free throw. I mean, that's for a guy who is supposed to be a shooting guard who can shoot. Those are really blah, even if you do have a thumb issue. Um, so I sort of wonder what he'll end up doing I I do feel like maybe his ceiling is, like I said, something where he could get like 16, 17 points a game, but like on inefficient numbers with a lot of turnovers. And again, like I sort of like you look at some of those early DeMar DeRozan stat lines, but with more turnovers, that sort of thing. Um, But I also wouldn't end up being surprised if he ends up being someone like, uh, like Shabazz Muhammad type where Mm -hmm. like he might have like a season or two where when he's shooting well, he has value, but then if he's not shooting from the outside well, he's just like a bench guy who comes in for teen amounts of minutes. And then you look right. at him and go like, oh, he was great in high school. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, number 13. This is, this is this is the stretch of picks where I end up shitting on these high ceiling guys for a while. Yeah. Um, number 13, Miami.
1: I'm going to go Brandon Clark. Uh, yes, he's quote unquote old. Um, he'll be 23 when the season starts and is only 6'8". And I think he was, what, 207 pounds at the combine? I was a little surprised by that. I thought he was a little thicker than that. But um, he's freakishly athletic, and he will find a way to impact the game while scoring zero points. Right. He will rebound and block shots, period. It's a Miami kind of pick. I actually wouldn't be upset if the Wizards took him at 9 he will find a He'd way be great to have there. an impact. He'd be great there. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to talk about it because they're not going to do it. But um, <laughs> this is a Miami like Pat Riley kind of pick. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you put him next to Bam out of Bio, and yeah, again, like you're starting to kind of see them kind of restructuring their front court. I think it's going to be a good pick for them. So if they do it, of course.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also feel like he's the type of guy that if you you encountered a team that wants to go like small ball, he could be a small ball five. Who could just run yeah, around. Absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I would love to see more teams go that way. Uh, I'm going to go P.J. Washington here. Uh, a little shout-out to uh, uh, <laughs> C.A. Huggins here. Uh, I did not think that he would be my first Kentucky Wildcat off the bench, but he ended the season just incredibly. Uh, he's sort of a jack-of-all-trades guy, high-character guy, plays really hard, strong around the rim at both finishing and rebounding. He works... Hard on defense, he's got some lapses, but again, that's everybody. Uh, his shot definitely looks better, although the fact that he only shoots 66% from the free throw line sort of screams that that will regress some. But again, hard worker, good motor. Not the highest upside guy. I Where Huggins would disagree with me here. Uh, he, said, he said on uh, OK Player that he, uh, P.J. Washington, his ceiling is a combination of David West and Elton Brand. <laughs> which seems seems a little high, uh, you know. Maybe like, be like a Diet Coke David West in a best case scenario. I feel like I can you see know. that. Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, which is good. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Now, of
1: course, he's going to take that as a slap. But man. dude,
0: if 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 he did if he did 16 and seven, which I feel like again is a is a doable ceiling for him. I mean, I wouldn't be that surprised. You know. Uh, and then the floor is something maybe more like a Patrick Patterson. You know, again, a guy who will play for a decade off the bench, get good bench minutes fairly consistently, uh, and I think any team that's sort of in win now mode uh, needs a guy to help right away. I think that Washington is definitely one of those guys. Uh, number fourteen, the Celtics.
1: I'm going Romeo Langford. Um, I think he has a lot of potential as a playmaker at the next level. Has all the tools to be a solid starter. Um, but he needs to work on his jumper and be a more willing defender. But, again, full wing has all the tools to be a really, really, really good player. I like him as a prospect. Um, and I think he's going to do really well in Boston. It's a good situation for him.
0: Yeah, although the last thing that Boston needs is more guards that think they can shoot threes. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> yeah. If I got to watch another clang fest where Romeo Langford and Jalen Brown are, you know, one for 20. Right. Yeah. A good grief. Uh, I'm going to go Nikhil Alexander-Walker here. Uh, you know, I I mean, especially if Kyrie goes. Uh, great shooter, good dribbler, one of the best passers in the class. Doesn't turn it over much. Uh, he's not really a point guard. I, I sort of look at him as like maybe a Diet Coke Malcolm Brogdon, something like this. Mm. Uh, where he's going to, you know, defense probably a little better on potential than reality right now, but he's not a slouch there. He could fill in point guard role in a pinch. Uh, he's not really bad at anything, and then he's got some elite skills. Uh, I think he could start for a good team. I'd love for his three-point numbers and his free throw numbers to improve a little bit, uh, but I, I think end of lottery is appropriate for him. Uh, number fifteen, Detroit Pistons. Uh,
1: all right, this is the this is where you, start, uh, yeah, where you start. It, yeah, where you start winging it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say PJ Washington right here. Um, he's a good player, but I love his motor and makeup as a player. Um, guys like him manage to stick around for 10 to 12 years in the NBA just based off them just working hard, being good teammates. And I think they could do a lot worse at this point in the draft, again, considering alternatives. Um, if people can't read between the lines, I'm not the biggest fan of this draft. So um, I think to get a guy like P.J. Washington at this point in the draft, I think Detroit would do pretty well. So,
0: Yeah, I, th- I think this draft is, is rich with people who could be, like, decade-long role-player guys. Right. You know, um, which is great if you if you find one of those. Uh, speaking of role players, uh, I'm going to maybe reach a little bit here. I'm going to go Cam Johnson from UNC here. Hmm. Uh, which, again, one of our listeners said that he couldn't wait to hear uh, our first round to see how I uh, leave Cam Johnson out of it. And I told him he'd be pleasantly surprised. I, I just think that because he's one of the best shooters in the draft, period, uh, and he's got Prototypical wing size, uh, I think you you can put him on the floor right away uh, for for any team. I think he's a consummate teammate. Uh, I think he's an I think he's a better team defender than one on one defender, but he's a fine team defender. Uh, you know, good body there. Uh, he'll space the floor just beautifully. I mean, you put him on a team with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, and just like like Luke Kennard to some extent, put Cam Johnson on the outside. Let him shoot threes, and he will make those threes. Like, I have no doubt. Some of these guys, like even Alexander Walker, some of the guys above, I just don't know whether they're NBA three-point shooters right away. And I feel like Cam Johnson would be an NBA three-point shooter right away. Uh, Very low ceiling, I feel like, compared to some of the guys that will follow. But I I think he has an incredibly high floor. Uh, I really doubt that he would completely bust uh, and I'm honestly a little higher on him than I was on Justin Jackson and, uh, a couple of years ago, where Jackson had a few more tools in his kit, but I think Johnson is just a much better shooter, and ultimately that's what counts at the end of the day. So give me a reliable shooter at this point in the draft. Uh, so I'll t- uh, Again, if I was stacking them by talent, I'd put him maybe more in the 20 range, but I, I just think his shooting is, is too obvious a commodity. Uh, number 16, Orlando, speaking of teams that need anything.
1: I really wanted to put him going to Charlotte because I know Charlotte fans. Just because they're guys who are from North Carolina, All right. That's why they're Charlotte fans. But <laughs> they really don't want their team to draft this guy. Um, but I'm going to give him to Orlando at 16.
0: Bold, bold. <laughs> I thought you were going to go Goga here for a minute. <laughs> and I wasn't going to go Goga, not yet. Got to hold on, Goga.
1: Hold on, Goga.
0: What What are your thoughts uh, on
1: Bull Bull, KB? We haven't gotten to talk about Bull Bull man, yet. Man, Bull Bull is by far the funniest person I've ever seen on a basketball court in my <laughs> life.
0: Dude, I saw I, him play in high school
1: also. I saw him out my, of here. Lord. I mean, I've never seen, like, it's all legs and arms.
0: Yeah. He's so top-heavy, too. <laughs> He's so exactly. top-heavy, man. I've never seen a player more right. top-heavy.
1: Like, you really have to take it into it appreciate it. Like, when yeah. you see it, like, I've never seen somebody look like this in a basketball uniform. Yeah. But he can play. Yeah. But I just know he's going to have foot and knee injuries for his entire career. Easily. Easily. So, you draft him knowing that. Yeah. But he can play, though. That's the thing about
0: it. He's yeah. talented.
1: Yeah. I'll... But it's the injury risk. Yeah. If you knew there was no injury risk, he'd be a top seven pick easily.
0: Yeah. See, okay. I'm, just I'm, based on talent alone. I'm drafting him way lower. Um. But I'll go ahead and talk about him now just because we're talking about him. I, I've got some problems with him beyond that. Yeah, He's a he's a great shot blocker and a really good three-point shooter. And honestly, even a, even a little bit of a ball handler for a guy that's as, Man, that's as right. absurd as, as he is. But, like, there are some things about his game that I really hate. His motor is the worst in assistant. the draft. It's the worst in not the draft. Yep. So how are you going to take a guy that is that is weird like this and who you know you cannot get to play hard? He plays like he
1: smoked a whole bowl before himself before the game, every game. He doesn't know where he is. I
0: got to see him play in high school a couple times, and, like, one out of every ten plays, he'd do something that makes go, like, ooh. Right. And then the other nine, like, some, like, little white guy from Brentwood High, who's 5'6", goes in and, like, shoots a layup over Bull Bull, and Bull just, like, watches. It's like, what are you doing out there? What are you doing? He's an awful defender. He might be the worst defender in the draft as well. Like, other than shot blocking, like, if he has to actually defend – forget about it and it's not just the lack of lateral speed it's the lack of effort unless he is literally standing with the rim immediately behind him he is a, a, a huge liability and we saw this before he got hurt where teams would just switch and and put guys in iso with bull bull because bull bull's not even gonna jump out if you shoot a three-pointer you'd think that somebody that long could sort of deflect with his arms if he just put his hands up but he won't do that consistently and then when he's got the ball in his hands also, he's incredibly turnover-prone. I mean, I'll, I'd give him the he's young excuse here, but when you combine that with how poor his motor is and his work ethic is, I'm, I have no confidence that he would not be turnover-prone in the NBA, that he would ever be a defender in the NBA. And, like, what, what value does a guy have who's so top-heavy, who can't run, who can't n- not turn the ball over, and who can't defend? You know, like... I, I get that you want to take him because he's that big and he shoots threes at a very good rate and it's a good-looking shot. But, like, I I wonder how a team in today's NBA can use him other than, like, maybe, like, spelling for... And, like, a weird system for, like, 10 to 12 minutes or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I I just don't know how he becomes a player of value. And that's not even considering the injury stuff, which, as you said, is obvious. He's obviously going to be hurt. So, yeah, I mean... I have him. Spoiler alert! Going at thirty, I just I can't justify taking him up there unless you are insanely confident with the uh, with the player development staff that you have on hand. So yeah, that's bull, bull in a nutshell. Uh, as if you could fit bull, bull in a nutshell. Uh, number sixteen. I've gotten a zero little uh, here. Uh, Again, he's got really good upside, but a really low floor. He's got a lot of work to do. Like, here's a guy, like, I I believe we won't know what kind of player he is in the NBA for, like, four years. And that's if he's still in the league in four years. Uh, Because you could easily just see him shitting out of the league also. Like, he's got ideal NBA body, ideal NBA athleticism. He's a pretty good rebounder. But, like, cons are everything else. (laughs) He can't shoot. He's a bad passer bad decision-maker, black hole on offense, not a very good ball handler. He was a defensive liability so frequently that he couldn't stay on the floor. Like, all he knows on defense is gambling. He can't do anything else. And this is a guy that was supposed to be a top-five NBA draft lock. And I wonder, and I've heard a couple – I think, like, Sam Viceni said something along these lines, too. You sort of wonder whether, like, the sort of top-five draft pick – hype that he was getting coming into the year, if it was just rooted in, like, the Jordan Brand Classic and the McDonald's All-American game. Cause, yep. Because like, before that, he was not top-five guy, right? Only after that did he become top-five guy. So maybe it was and unfair it, to him, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah, he's not good at, like, anything right now.
1: Right. And he wasn't one of these guys that was, like, a, you know, five-star as a sophomore, five-star as a junior. Like, he was – you know, from what I recall, he was kind of a late bloomer. Right. And then, you know, like you said, he dominated the McDonald's game, the Jordan Brand game, and all of a sudden people are like, whoa, what does North Carolina have right here? He could be, the, like, the next guy, finally kind of break through and maybe be a potential NBA all-star at the next level, and he's not that.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe this year was the fluke. You know, but like, but it certainly seemed to me like he's not good at anything right now. Like, and right. even, and even, even when UNC fans are like, yeah, he's not good at anything right now. Like, that's when you really know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they're still tweeting at Andy Katz right now for not including Cole Anthony as a point guard <laughs> on that list. I laughed so hard this morning when he said he was the most important player in the ACC, and the first like five replies are like, oh, he's the most important player, but he's not a point guard, huh? Like, don't try All to right. suck up to us now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, Andy Katz. God bless you. Um, but, yeah, Nazir, Little there. Because if you're Orlando, again, you're you're swinging for a home run. Uh, number 17, back to Atlanta, I believe. Or did they tr- – yeah, this is now an Atlanta pick, right? This was Brooklyn and now it's Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Who do we got here?
1: Uh, I'm going to go Tyler Harrell. Um, You can never have too much shooting. Uh, he may never be a 30, 35-minute guy, but he can stretch the floor. He's really good shooting off the dribble as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like this pick for them right at 17. These he's, guys going to help them stretch the floor. Um, yeah, all in all, like looking at the guys that they've taken, yeah, somebody's going to have to help.
0: Yeah, and certainly Trey Young and Tyler Harrow side-by-side on the floor would be a lot of shooting. That'd be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go Grant Williams here. Uh, I'm a little high on him, I think, compared to some other people. Uh, I might be wrong there, but I've, I've seen him more like – Late first, um, I honestly think he might even be a steal at this point. Uh, he just He's so high IQ, uh, he sees the floor beautifully on both ends, he's never going to like blow up as a scorer, but again, he helps you win games. Great rebounder, great strength, uh, terrific defender, both in IQ and in body. Uh, again, he's probably too slow to be switchable, but he's so strong and he's so good with his timing and anticipation. And also, I looked at his agility numbers, like shuttle run and shit like that. It was as good as some of these other guys that people are sicing as potential defensive players. So I'm not too worried there. The shot is improving. And again, he's the first guy on the floor for a loot ball. I mean, like, elite-level intangibles from Grant Williams. So, yeah, I I keep seeing him late first. I see some people having him second round. I mean, I think on a team like Boston or Atlanta or like Detroit where they could use him as insurance for like Blake Griffin's inevitable injuries, you know, I, I think he can come in right away. I, I wrote down like maybe like Diet Coke Draymond Green, somebody like that. Not going to change the game with scoring, but it'll change the game with everything else. So I'm a big fan of Grant Williams. I hope he does well. Uh, number 18, Indiana. Who would you like here?
1: Um, You know, I'm going to go Kevin Porter Jr. here. Um, I think overall, I you know, I've kind of talked about a little bit, like I, I'm i a hot, lot higher on him than it seems like all of the, the draft experts. And I think that may be because his overall approach to the game, I think has been the one thing that people are kind of dinging him on. Um, I don't think they're really ding him so much on his talent. And I think that at this point in the draft, I think the reward kind of outweighs the risk. Um, you know, I've heard him describe it as like he's very undisciplined. Um, yeah, what you do you mean? Be... Could,
0: you, could you elaborate on what his approach to the game is?
1: Um, I think people kind of felt like he kind of threw in the towel, like that latter part of last season. For sure. Um, I mean, he definitely yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. So I, I don't want to say he definitely did that, but that seems to be the sentiment. Um, and whether or not he actually really wants it, like,
0: yeah, what for sure
1: kind of. What kind of pro is he going to be once he starts making money? Once he starts getting these big checks, like what's what's going to be his approach every single day coming to practice? Right. Being hard, like, is he going to put in the work day in and day out?
0: Yep.
1: But I think as far as the talent is concerned, um, again, he's somebody that if I was at nine, just from a talent standpoint, I would consider. But again, you have to consider like just the overall makeup of the player, where you don't really have to wonder about that with guys like DeAndre Hunter, a lot of guys we mentioned so far. Right that's the biggest red flag for him but i think at this point in the draft again i think the reward kind of outweighs the risk so
0: yeah you're not wrong that there's reward there i'm so uh, again as a spoiler alert i don't i don't have him in my first round like no. i i and that's just because of what I would choose I, he obviously is a first rounder and certainly is a first round talent um but like i, I wrote down Dion waiters with a worse attitude like I that's
1: not good yeah
0: watching him play here I it was uh, he's bullheaded on offense he doesn't pass he takes bad step back twos and mid-rangers and he doesn't play any defense and the one thing you'd say about Deion Waiters is that you're not going to question how hard Deion Waiters is playing when he's out there like When Deion Waiters is pouting or or being pissy, he's going to shoot a bunch of bad shots in a row, (laughs) right? But when Kevin Mm. Porter is pouting, he's going to do nothing on the floor except maybe take, like, a shitty long two-point shot. You know, he doesn't draw free throws. He, you know, I'm sure it's not a surprise to you, definitely got into it with staff and coaches. Uh, Mm. There was a lot of infighting Mm. there. I mean, Mm. you would have to be so confident in your development team that you would take the flyer on his talent here because, to me personally, he screams headcase, and I would rather let somebody else be the genius who makes him a star than I would be the guy who has to pop four Advil a day because I've got to deal with Porter drama on the regular. Right. So, again, he will be a first-round pick. I'd be stunned if he's not, but I think he's the type of pick that, like, could get you fired. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm super low on Kevin Porter. Just I'm I'm off players like that. You know what I mean? The, especially in this draft when so many of the guys are high character guys and so many of the guys in this draft are first guy on the floor guys. Like, why take a guy like that unless you're insanely desperate or just insane. You know? That's the way I feel about it. <laughs> uh hey, Yeah. Hey. You know, that's me. Uh in stark contrast, uh, I'm going to take Chuma Okiki here, uh, who is one of the higher IQ defense and hustle guys in the draft, uh, screams small ball four style of game. Uh, I've seen some people toss around the name Draymond here. He just, he's not nearly skilled enough to be Draymond Green, but he is a better passer than people would give him credit for, which again, as a four in today's NBA, I think is a really underrated skill, and he's just such a smart defender. i I'm not really concerned about his health post uh, ACL tear because he's not really as athletic as a lot of these like hustle guys tend to be anyway. Like the reason why he's such a great defender and a great shot blocker is because he's got terrific timing and anticipation, you know, the type of stuff that is really hard to teach uh, in in college in particular. Uh, and when he has time on the catch and shoot, he also showed this year that he can knock down threes consistently. Again, he's not going to create for himself, but if you pass it to him, he will knock down that open three. Not a good ball handler, not an off-the-bounce scorer at all, so, I mean, there's limitations to his ceiling, but I could see him being a starter for a good team based, again, on the stuff we talked about before. Rebounds, defense, intangibles, and he can make an open three. So, again, I think I'm a little higher on him than than a lot of people are, uh, but, again, I'm, I'm high on these hard worker, high IQ hustle guys who can who have the potential to make threes here. Uh, number 19, San Antonio. Who are we going to take here?
1: I think it's a good spot for Cam Johnson. Seems like a Cam Johnson type of landing spot. Good size, good shooter. You pretty much nailed everything about him. I guess my only question about him, like when he's not shooting, when he's not scoring, I don't know what else he does. No, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, nothing so, right now. That, that, yeah. yeah, but other than that, like, again, great attitude, great makeup. Good teammate, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. God, if if they develop him into another Danny Green, I'm gonna jump out a goddamn window. Yep, yep. <laughs> Why don't they ever draft a Duke guy? Why did San Antonio has never drafted a Duke guy <laughs> since like damn Danny Ferry? Okay, like I, and he did, they didn't even draft him. I don't think. So, no, the Clippers. Yeah, didn't yeah. yeah. Thing, so yeah. he was the last Duke player in a Spurs uniform. I think. I, I all I wanted was one Duke player on the Spurs. Popovich, come on. Um, I'm gonna take Jackson Hayes here. Uh which would be brilliant for San Antonio. This definitely feels like a like a slam dunk San Antonio thing to pick a guy who could be like the next Clint Capella type with some development. Um again, good height, good wingspan, relative athleticism. I, I don't love a bunch of stuff about him. He's not a very good rebounder for how tall and how long he is. And he's kind of a blah defender also, which again he's young, he's new to the game. But when you're that young, it's hard to tell whether your decision-making on both ends is due to a lack of experience or a lack of basketball IQ. And so I worry about that. He comes from like a sports family. He'll work hard. I, I don't doubt any of that. But there have definitely been guys like this in the draft that we've seen sort of top out at like a a 4.4 rebound off the bench type of guy. Um, so I'm, I'm a little scared of that sort of thing. He'll obviously spend a lot of time in the G League the next couple of years – so, you know, I think he could be the next Clint Capella or he could be a guy that we say who in a few years, you know. Um, so I don't know if I'd go lotto for him with that, uh, but definitely, like, right after the lotto for a team that, again, is confident in their player development. He's got all the tools to be a, a big-time starter for a good team. Number 20, back to Boston.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm going Goga right here.
0: Goga! I know nothing about Goga. <laughs> Nothing. I th- I wanna say I read the name Steven Adams thrown around with him, so maybe he's maybe he's a big guy. So uh okay. So yeah. And I got your message. I'll 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 talk uh Boston here. Uh so I'm gonna go Tyler Harrow here for reasons that uh you already talked about. Um he's just a really good shooter. I, I honestly expect his shooting numbers to be even better than they were last year, uh, because he's elite shooting threes off the dribble. Uh he's really good at catch and shoot. Uh, he's a really smart passer, he's a pretty high motor defender, he's not especially quick or athletic, but he's fairly crafty, he plays a smart game, Uh, definitely the type of guy who could get burned defensively against NBA wings, Um, you've got to be, in in order to play defense against NBA wings, I I feel like you've got to be either quick or strong or have next level defensive instincts, and he doesn't really have any of those three things, I don't think, although he could get stronger with age, Um, but I I wrote down here, and this is like, I, I hate to like use this name, but like, like maybe like a Diet Coke or Coke Zero Devin Booker, uh, that again, he's like starter quality, uh, he's clearly modeled his game after Devin Booker's game to some extent. Uh, I don't think he's Devin Booker good, but, like, Devin Booker also scores, like, 25 points per game or some shit. So, like, if Tyler Harrow becomes, like, the 15-point-per-game equivalent of Devin Booker, then that's, like, a massive deal at this point in the draft at number 20. Uh, At absolute worst, he's, like, a knockdown shooter off the bench, which is still a really good deal uh, at number 20. And like I said about Boston earlier, I'm sick of these guys who can't shoot threes jacking up threes for Boston. So if they got Tyler Harrow, that would be great. So, uh yeah, there's my Tyler Harrow Spiel. Uh, KB, back to you for Oklahoma City, number twenty
1: one. I'm gonna kill Alexander Walker. Um I like this kid. Again, considering the alternatives, I think this would be a really good pick with OKC. Um, he can handle it, can shoot it a little bit, um, good size uh for the position. I just think the question with him is can he consistently dribble um a blow pass defenders at the NBA level? Um and uh, I'm trying to think of some things about him that can really be considered uh, deficiencies. Uh, yeah, that's... not the best decision maker. Um, but other than that, like...
0: I know, it's hard it, to find deficiencies about him. Yeah like, he, yeah, yeah, like he he's probably one of those guys who, is, like, I, like I said, he's not a guy who's like really bad at anything. Right. You know, like his right. his worst things are just things where he's like okay at things. Um, Which, yeah, certainly at 21 is a really good value. Uh, I'm going to take Keldon Johnson here, Uh, sort of another guy who I'd say he doesn't really do anything elite uh, except play hard, Um, but he also, like Alexander Walker, I don't think he does anything badly either. Uh, And I also think that there's sort of decent upside here. I mean, until P.J. Washington went beast late in the year, I was pretty convinced that Keldon Johnson was my favorite prospect on the team uh, just because he's young and he plays hard, and, and again, when he was going, he was really strong. Uh, I really would want to see him improve his handles uh, in particular, you know, like his left hand, stuff like this. Uh, but he could show better than draft pick value down here, uh, and I could easily see him being sort of a starter who does like, you know, uh, 12 to 14 points per game, five boards on hustle, defends pretty well. Sort of a uh, – I wrote down Contavious Caldwell Pope 2.0, something like this as as sort of a ceiling there, uh, which, again, I, I would like at 21 uh, twenty-two back to Boston. KB,
1: I go Keld- Uh, I Keldon Johnson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say Keldon because for people who may not notice, it, his older brother, um, Keldon, is at Georgetown. Um, yeah, yeah. This is what we kind of do. We always kind of get the worst of the, <laughs> the brother duos. <laughs> who, so I
0: almost the- call him.
1: Almost called him Caleb there for a second. But- are
0: there other examples of the worst brother that uh? Yeah, we got
1: Jeremiah Rivers.
0: <laughs> sure, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm
1: not sure. I don't want to talk about it because I can name others. It's just. Sure. I don't know how we keep doing this, but <laughs> um, kids of guys, you know. Yep. Um, yep. We didn't get Jaron. Okay, Jaron Jackson. Right. Uh, but we got Trey Morning. Um, yeah, yeah. Pat yeah.
0: Ewing Jr., obviously.
1: Pat Ewing Jr. Yeah, but I like Pat Ewing Jr. Yeah, I like yeah. him. He came around. Actually, got you. can play a little bit, yeah. but, you know, we got Reggie Williams' kid. And he was a walk-on. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I can keep going. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Kelvin Johnson, uh, not the high ceiling. I think somebody could develop it to a solid starter at the NBA level. Again, doesn't do anything exceptionally well, um, but isn't really, really, really bad at anything. Um, good frame. You know, that's something that you can definitely work with. Good size for his, his position. Um, not the shooter you would maybe want. Um, but again, hard work. I think a kid that's going to work at it. So again, I think at this point in the draft, I think it's a solid pick.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go here. A guy that again, I think may be considered a, a stretch by some mocks. I'm going to go tie Jerome here. Uh, I think he's sort of like a Grievous Vasquez 2.0 here. Uh, just somebody who's not very athletic, which could like hamstring his career a little bit, but like, he's such a high IQ player. He works really hard. Uh, he pissed me off every time we played him because he was so good. <laughs> like anytime mm-hmm. you've got somebody like that, that that tends to carry decently well. Uh, he can shoot 40 plus percent. He's got really good size and strength for a point guard, a one of the better passers in the draft, consummate team player. I honestly, and we talked about this last year. I thought he was their most important player last year and the year before. Like I, he was slept on because Kyle Guy was sort of their gunner, and DeAndre Hunter is sort of like the big body. But like Ty Jerome is what really made that team tick, and like even this is the kind of thing that like really annoys me when he's not on my team. He's even a guy who like boxes out really well. Like you'll you'll be watching and like Ty Jerome is like running into the paint to box out some guy that's bigger than him. When, like, 90% of point guards aren't thinking about that. 99% of point guards aren't thinking about that. You know what I mean? Like, he's just – he's so pressed to to be a good teammate and to work hard and things like this. Um, yeah, like, fuck these developmental dudes in the late first round. Like, especially for a team like Boston who could use minutes now. Uh, he'd be better than Terry Rozier for the team immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because he's not crazy. That's start one, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's. I think he's a. He could be a backup point guard and a serviceable starter when your starting point guard is injured for a decade in the NBA. But again, I'm I'm bad at point guards, so take that for what you will. Uh, 23 Utah. We'll sort of blaze through these last few here because I know we're sort of getting to the dregs here.
1: Yeah, I uh, will go Casey O'Pala here. Um, kind of raw, uh, but he has good physical tools, and I think he's shown that. Um, Bottom line, I think he could be a decent defensive player at the NBA level. And I think, again, he's type of guy. His offense needs to catch up a little bit, but I think just overall for his frame um, and to think his long-term potential, you know, yeah, why not?
0: Yeah, I, I have similar concerns to him that I had about some of the other guys like Jackson Hayes or whatever. Uh, I'm going to go Nick Claxton from Georgia here, speaking of guys that I also have concerns like this. Uh, Sort of a a Kevon Looney type, Uh, you know, I think he needs a lot of work, like some of the other guys we've said. But I was sort of impressed by the fact that at like 6'10", 6'11", he was the primary creator for Georgia at times this year because they just had bad point guard situation going on. So even though he's really raw, I think the fact that he can pass and handle pretty well really sort of adds to his ceiling compared to some of these other raw talent guys. Uh, so give me Nick Claxton here, 24, Philly. Uh,
1: you know I'm gonna go Kamageli right here. Um, I think this might be. I know people may look at it on the surface, may may not be a good spot because there's obviously a, somebody else man in the center position, in Philadelphia. But um, I just think for his overall upside, the kid can play. Um, I don't see him falling much further than this. So.
0: Yeah, I agree that he'll be right around here. Uh, I'm gonna go with Goga here. That that seems like a Philly pick to go Goga. You know, he can man, he can back can up Goga. he can back up Embiid maybe. You know, just be like a big a big Georgian goon off the bench. You know, right. Uh, 25. Portland.
1: I'll go Ty Jerome.
0: Yeah. Uh, anything to add there, or just uh, I got it all. No,
1: nothing. You pretty much covered it, man.
0: Brilliant. I'm gonna go Dylan Windler from Belmont here. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing him sort of crawl up a lot of people's draft boards, again, just because he's a guy with prototypical NBA size who can drain NBA threes, who's a great character guy, good extra pass guy, maybe not like a great defender right now, but again, has like decent enough tools just in terms of sheer size and uh, his body. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Portland could definitely use guys that Lillard and McCollum can kick out too and they can rely on to hit threes. So, uh I like Windler in that regard here. Uh 26 back to Cleveland.
1: I go Nick Claxton right here. Um good pedigree, good physical profile. Um he's a versatile player. Uh he just got to gain a lot of weight. Yeah, um, he's definitely a project, but I I I like his tools.
0: Yeah. He's yeah, he's another G League guy, but but yeah, yeah. I like his upside a little bit more than some of the other guys. Uh, I'm going to go Cabangeli here. Uh, I'm a little concerned about some things, but, like, he's 6'10", and he can shoot NBA threes. He can defend multiple positions. He's one of the better shot blockers in the draft. He's got really good handles for a 6'10 guy. Um, I was a little concerned about how fast he was, but I looked at those combine numbers, and he honestly did better than I expected, you know, in terms of speed and agility. So uh, he's probably okay there, too. A prototypical stretch for a small ball five. The one thing I really don't like is that he never passes the ball. Ever, um, And I don't really know how much he's going to improve there <laughs> I think mm. I forget what the numbers were Over his time at FSU But I think he had like 20 assists Total during his time at FSU Something like this Yeah, he, he just don't pass at all um, So maybe like an off-the-bench stretch big uh, Who can come out, hit threes uh, Maybe play against some small ball five in spots I-, I like him there And again, Cleveland needs all the scoring they can get uh, 27, Brooklyn
1: Mm. Yeah, we I'm gonna go tail in Horton Tucker right here. Okay. Um kind of reminds me a little bit, um, of Draymond Green a little bit, little undersized, um, versatile player, um, good makeup, very gritty, tough guy. Again, I think he's the type of dude that is gonna stick around the NBA a little while longer than maybe Peter expected. I think he only measured out at I think six two and a half without shoes at the combine, but I think like he's freakishly long. He had the he had uh, the biggest disparity. Yeah,
0: the biggest disparity between height and span by far in the history of the combine.
1: Yeah, yeah, very uh, interesting player. Um, But he can play. Like he can literally like switch off from like bringing the ball up the court to guarding fours, just because of his wingspan and like his overall heft. Unique guy. Um, Again, at this point in the draft, I think they could do a lot worse. So.
0: Yeah, he's definitely got good potential. I've got him in the second round. Uh, I think it'd be easy to see him bust because he's not a good shooter, not a very good decision-maker right now, uh, not a very good defender considering he's got that wingspan, Uh, Mm -hmm. and he's also not the athlete that I feel like normally people associate that sort of wingspan disparity. Like He's he's a very average athlete uh, for the freak body that he's got. You got a big butt. <laughs> he does have a big butt. What's what does a rafter? He say uh, he says something like uh, his 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 trunk or something. I don't know. He's he's mm. got the term there. Um, when he's on, he's great. But I, I want to see him exhibit like better motor uh, or be a better shooter uh, before I. But again, at the end of the first, you can take guys on potential for sure. I think I had him. I've got two rounds of uh, picks that I'll post on. Uh, on the Twitter. But, yeah, I've got him in the early 30s. Uh, I'm going to go Carson Edwards here. Um, You know, he's not a very good creator, I don't think, but, like, he makes NBA threes, you know, uh, easily. And he'll make the odd pass for others. Uh, He's quick. He's strong. When he's hot, he's really hard to cool down. Um, Again, best-case scenario, he's, you know, like a Diet Coke, Lou Williams type. Again, he's one of these sorts of guys – um, worst case scenario, he's like a Quinn Cook type who just comes in off the bench to make threes. You know, that sort of guy. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like the value here for a Carson Edwards type. But again, I'm bad with point guards. Uh, 28, Golden State. By the way, who do you, you think is winning the uh, the finals?
1: Uh, I still think uh, um, it's just a matter of time for Toronto to close it out. So.
0: I put before Durant got hurt. I put money on Golden State when I heard that he was going to play. And, mm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they closed out yesterday. Who knows? Mm. Uh, who do you have going to Golden State? Uh, I think this
1: is a good spot for Eric Pascal.
0: Um, that's who I have he's here. Say, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think he can come in from day one. Um, you know, not be a starter, but he's somebody that can come in and give them minutes, and that's what they're going to need. Because I have no idea how they're going to pay everybody, so they've been looking for a lot of guys on the to cheat. And I think he's got him coming off the cheap, bring a lot of energy defensively. He's a good athlete, good frame, um, decent enough shooter. Um, So, to me, this just makes sense for them to get somebody they know can come in. They're not going to draft somebody that's going to be a project. I don't think they're going to draft anybody foreign. They're going to bring in somebody they feel like can play. And I think even though he may not ever be a starter i think he's somebody who can give you 10 15 minutes off the bench
0: so yeah i i agree you know people who would have called him a tweener in the past but like now like he's he's so switchable he can shoot pretty well good strength size handles great passing which again for golden state is paramount uh, capable from nba distance i feel like a uh, good discipline, good character uh, again the sort of guy where i wouldn't really be surprised if he surpassed some of these higher upside project prospects Uh, I think if he gets his three-pointer a little bit better, he could be like a P.J. Tucker type maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, where a guy that, again, his ceiling would be that sort of player, a a spot starter, uh, high-character guy. Uh, 29, San Antonio again.
1: I'm going to go Darius Basley. Um, I think they can kind of uh, gamble at this point in the draft on someone. Uh, If he went to college, say he went to Syracuse – Say he balled out. He's a lottery pick. Then he's not even available at this point in the draft. Well, oh, Sy- Syracuse uh,
0: players balling out and being a lottery pick—that doesn't sound right. Yeah,
1: right. it's um, <laughs> uh,
0: trying to bait you. You didn't take it. You didn't take it. Yeah,
1: I'm not gonna take it. <laughs> I'm not gonna take it. I'm not gonna <laughs> do it. Uh, but apparently, like from all reports again, like he's dazzled uh, doing these pre-draft workouts, and um, he's showing he can shoot the ball a little bit more than people expected. Um, He's gained some weight, which he definitely needed to do coming into the season. Um, so, again, I think he's somebody that has a lot of potential, maybe has been somebody who's very versatile on defense, um, handles the ball a little bit, can get you a bucket. So, um, why not?
0: Yeah, I'm going to go Matisse Thibel here from Washington, uh, who is a potential defensive beast. I've got some questions. Like, the zone makes me sort of wonder whether – All of his defensive dominance translates man-to-man. And also, he's very much uh, a guy on offense who doesn't look to do anything. He's very reluctant to shoot, very reluctant to score, uh, which was dumb in last year's very terrible Pac-12. I mean, he's more athletic than most of his opponents. He easily could have. So I I don't really know how to project him, but uh, especially at San Antonio, to find a guy who could have sort of all-defense potential – you know, taking him here feels like a good move. But I'd, I'd really love for him to be a bit more active as a shooter. I mean, when you – I was trying to think of, like, a player who, who actually plays, who does so little offensively, maybe like Andre Roberson. Like, I, I, I can't really think of anybody who just is reluctant the way that Theibel looked reluctant last year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I like the potential here. And number 30, Milwaukee, just uh, to jump in. I, I went bull bull here. We already talked about him. Um, it makes sense that the place that went Giannis and Thonmaker maker would also go bull bull. I feel like they'd, they'd have some <laughs> confidence there that they could do something with him. Uh, who will you take here?
1: Um, I'll go Nasri. Uh We talked about guys earlier who didn't really have the motor. I think that's the biggest kind of question with him. Um, not really the greatest defender, but for somebody his size, um, you know, really an agile player. He could shoot the ball. Uh, he's just a lot more skilled than you would just think just kind of looking at him. Um, so I know a lot of people kind of all over the place on him as well, but I think at this point in the draft, again, considering alternatives, you can do a lot worse. So.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, great. So uh, any players that you feel like you're especially high on or especially low on uh, from, you know, maybe guys that, like, you see projected in the first that you would not take in the first?
1: Uh. Pfft. Guys, I wouldn't take in the first like there's not really a lot of uh, European guys, so I can't really say right. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. much about that. Like I think we pretty much
0: We hit most of the
1: um, went yeah. See this is the thing, like it's just not one of those drafts where there's like a lot of guys I'm looking at and seeing like potential star ability from. So right. uh, Yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. I I don't this is one of those drafts I don't really see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's a chance that like Bruno Fernando would go in the first round.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, um, I'm not super
0: high on him.
1: I'm not. I'm not. I, I think if he takes gets taken in the latter part of the first round, early the second round, like I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, I know yeah, coming same. back into the season, people thought he could potentially be a lottery pick. I just never saw that from him.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I, yeah.
0: I, I agree. Um. Like uh, Lugans Dort from Arizona State I've seen in some first rounds.
1: Very undersized. I don't like him. No.
0: Yeah. Um, maybe Louis King from Oregon who started to show me some things at the end of last year a little bit, but not enough that I would go first round. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a draft that is deep with people who could contribute and not deep with players who will be notable starters. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Sort of interesting year. I'll be interested to see how it unfolds. Uh, anybody that, like, uh, at, like, the end of the second or whatever that you feel like is somebody who could be taken there uh, that you feel like has some value?
1: Um, I like uh, this kid, Jalen LeCue. Uh, Jalen Lecky. Jalen Lecky, yeah. 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 Uh, I know he committed to NC State. He's staying in the draft. Um I've been seen a lot of comparisons to Russell Westbrook just because of his style of play. He's very athletic. Um, I, I'll always gamble on athletic in the second sure. round. Sure. Uh, I agree. Uh, so, yeah. So, somebody like him. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Might have part of the second round.
0: I mean, maybe maybe Jalen McDaniels might fit that bill. Maybe. Potentially. maybe Jalen Hord yeah. from, uh, yeah, from Wake Forest, maybe.
1: way Wake Forest, maybe. Yeah. I mean, uh, Kanate, I don't know. I, I like uh, Kanate.
0: He's the he's the name that I definitely would have brought up, like, just, yeah. just on the strength of, again, he showed last year he can step out and hit some threes. And right. defensively, you know what you're going to get with him. You're going to get somebody who can really compete, even at an NBA level. Uh, so I know he's got a lot of questions around him. But, I mean, if, like, a good – if, like, Boston or San Antonio or something like this ends up with him, like, a good or, – or even Cleveland uh, put him in Bayline's hands maybe – uh, although I don't think they have a second round pick, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's huge value there. Yeah. Um, Zach Norvell is a name that you know I've seen some that I feel like again could provide some good value there.
1: Could he's a little too hot and cold for me? Yeah, he'd
0: need to be more consistent. But um, again, just the shooting. And then I'd love to see yeah. uh, I'd love to see towards the end some guys like uh, maybe like with a 59th or 60th pick, somebody like a Kai Bowman. Somebody who, like, I want to see some guys that are, like, mega scorers on the college level just take a flyer. You know what I mean? Like, some of these guards that could maybe be backup point guards in a best-case scenario. Like, Tremont Waters, potentially. Um, Mm. Although, he screams Europe to me just because of his size. But um, I agree with that. Yeah, but Kai Bowman's, like, 6'5". So, you know, maybe a little bit more potential there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, those are some thoughts, and then uh, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask: uh, next year, what teams are you uh, are you high on going into next season?
1: Uh, obviously, Michigan State. They they kind of seem like the team that, um, for the most of the two early top twenty fives I've seen, um, everybody kind of has them, even number one and number two. Yeah, and with good reason. I understand why. Um, it should be a rebound season for Kansas. Um. Duke should, excuse me, man, definitely be involved. Um, uh, as they always are. Um, North Carolina they kind of loaded up. Um, yeah, they did. <laughs> <of, laughs> Let up the recruiting cycle. Yeah, and damn with it. some grad transfers, yeah, they really, uh, they really
0: reload. I was so excited for them to be like fringe top twenty-five. You know what I mean? I was so excited. Yeah. It was going to be a great year, and then they just had to go yep. screw it up. Yep.
1: Um yeah. And uh Villanova should rebound. Um Yeah, I'm high I'm high on
0: them going into next year.
1: Yeah, they they they're reloading. So those are the teams that's kinda of come to mind.
0: I noticed you didn't uh mention Kentucky for those integrity races oh, there. Lord, oh. Sorry. Kentucky geez,
1: I could i I think that kinda go well, I can say Duke and Kansas kinda and Michigan State kinda goes what I'm too. Uh, Oh my god. I'm so, like I did not do that on purpose. Of course. Oh boy. Kentucky. Here's your of course, here's your uh of course. integrity
0: rating stock. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Huggy Bear gonna roast you for that yeah. one. He's gonna insist yeah. it was intentional. No, it wasn't at all. <laughs> I'm serious, it wasn't. It
1: wasn't.
0: Uh, I think Louisville will be really good next year. They'd probably be in my top ten preseason. Bringing back Jordan Wara uh, and Steven Enoch is, is huge. I still have some questions about what they're going to do from the point guard position, but obviously you got to like the returning talent. Uh, I think teams like Virginia and especially Texas Tech, you, you just can't bet against them at this point. Uh, I'm really high on Texas Tech next year. Uh, they were my first bet uh, when, the, uh, when the lines came out. Um, because it was something like a plus uh, – it, it was a big, big benefit. I think I bet 25 bucks to win like 400 something like this. Uh, really high on their young kid, Ramsey, who's coming in. I saw him play at the Ball is Life All-American game. Uh, he was maybe the best player on the floor, him or Boogie Ellis, which kind of pisses me off, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring back Moretti, who's a beast, uh, bringing in Chris Clark, Uh, who was so important for Virginia Tech, and then he was hurt last year. Uh, You know, bringing back Kyler Edwards. I mean, like, like, god damn, they're just going to be so good. And then the Zags. uh, I think you can't count out the Zags. Uh, Arizona also, I think, is going to be sneakily good. Uh, A lot of really good young talent. And I think that last year they underperformed a little bit just because they were so young. Um, And then finally, uh, I want to mention Florida, who probably wouldn't be in my necessarily at the very tippy top. But uh, I tell you what, especially if they got Kerry Blackshear, which has been rumored, um, mm. that combination of Trey Mann and Andrew Nemhard uh, and Scotty Lewis and Kerry Blackshear, that's a top 10 team to me, for, for me. Like, uh, I, I I, would be very excited about that team. Uh, and I would have Michigan State at number one right now, but if Kentucky got Kerry Blackshear, then uh, they would obviously be number one on my list. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that last domino falls. But maybe we'll talk about that at the end of the summer. Uh... We're going to wrap it up. KB, tell the good people where they can find you.
1: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at KBads. That's KBADDS. And as always, you can find me, TKO, and Basa on the Five Starter Podcast. We record it every Wednesday night. It comes out Thursday morning. So, yeah, if you didn't know that, I think pretty much everybody who listens to this podcast on a regular basis kind of knows that by now. But for new people, that's where you can find me on a weekly basis. So, that's about it.
0: Check them out. Uh, You can follow me at Russell H. Film. Uh, I've also got my beer Instagram at Russell H. Beer. And uh, my uh, wife and I, I, maybe you know this, KB? I don't know. It's been a while since we talked. Uh, My wife and I launched a website, the Beer Travel Guide. Uh, Oh, sorry. Yeah, that has uh, sort of guides for beer uh, across the country. We've got, certainly for your area, we've got uh, the best brewery hops in D.C. We just uh, did a little, like, list of craft brewers in Baltimore, uh, the other day. Um, so, yeah, we're covering all over the country. Uh, and, yeah, we're starting to get, like, media passes to festivals and things. And uh, it's been really, really cool. A lot of work, but Tell a you. lot of fun. So, the beer travel guidecom Check that out. Follow that on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter if you're somebody who's into beer. Uh, so, Tell yeah, you. that's another thing to launch there. It's
1: funny you mention that because I actually went to the Hennessy brewery um out here in baltimore it's outside of baltimore oh yeah and i think it's the only i said hennessy <laughs> jesus christ i got hennessy on the brain for some reason guinness, guinness. yeah
0: yeah yeah God. <laughs> hey I, you know uh if hennessy did have a, mean, have a brewery in baltimore have
1: a brewery in i mean it would be in baltimore <laughs> it would only either be in baltimore st louis or detroit but right? uh-huh. yeah yeah it's the Guinness, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brewery. It's the only Guinness brewery, I think, in North America. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's
0: that sounds right.
1: Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, it's great. They have like a whole restaurant and everything. It's like a whole like come on out and bring the family type deal, and it's it's really
0: nice. Yeah, yeah. So very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, – and KB, thank you again so much for making the time. Uh, it's been way too long since we talked, uh, especially talked basketball. So I'm really, Absolutely. really happy that uh, you made the time. And hopefully, maybe maybe next year, fingers crossed, things will be a little less crazy and we'll get to record at least on a quasi-regular basis. Uh, that cool. would obviously be a lot of fun. So Sounds uh, good.
1: And I'm actually looking forward to Georgetown basketball next season. Hey. I haven't been this excited going into a season – in a long time. So, I, I you know, I, I'll be more apt to speak college basketball this season and, and happier to do it. So
0: Delightful. Can't wait, my friend. Can't wait. So, for KB and for myself, Russell Hainline, this has been the 2.1 Seconds to Madness podcast. Good night.